Bradley and Marotta Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That boy's good. It's Vinny's View on the home of the Suns, Arizona Sports. Presented by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. The NBA playoffs can be funny. Over the course of an 82-game regular season, a lot of things, and games for that matter, can be filed away into the minutia category. That is not so in the postseason. Every detail of a winning performance gets magnified. Every shred of a painstaking loss gets put under the microscope. But Tuesday night, the analysis of a Suns uh, 123-109 win over the LA Clippers to even their series was rather easy. Sometimes it just comes down to which team has the best player on the floor. And in Game 2, that player was Devin Booker. Once again, the Suns found themselves down by as many as 13 points in the second quarter. You could feel the optimism being sucked out of the crowd at Footprint Center with every Eric Gordon 3, every Kawhi Leonard bucket, everything Russell Westbrook did. But Booker was the catalyst for the Suns' massive charge. Over the final 532 of the second quarter and the first 3 minutes and 21 seconds of the third, the Suns dominated, outscoring L.A. 35-12. to Booker's 28-foot three-pointer over Terrence Mann with 1.5 seconds to go before halftime tied things up, and that roll continued. In the stretch where the Suns went down uh, from down 13 to up 10, Booker had 14 points, 5 assist and an open court steal that led to a breakaway dunk. He was simply masterful. It wasn't all great for the Suns. Their early game defense struggled. DeAndre Ayton got into foul trouble by picking up three in a span of 41 seconds in the third quarter. The bench, although world's better than in game one, did not instill widespread belief. Then Chris Paul jammed his right pinky late in the game and had to have it x-rayed afterwards. I thought it would be Kevin Durant having his first real, hey, I'm in Phoenix now moment on Tuesday. Don't get me wrong, he was good. But this was all about Booker, another gem on a growing list of them for the All-Star who's never worn another team's colors. That's Vinny's View, brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss and Wellness. Eat smart, lose weight, keep it off with Revitalize. Proud nutrition partner of your Phoenix Suns. It's never a good feeling. Um, But yeah, I I just got on Call of Duty and blew some steam off. That's all he do. All he do is play Call of Duty. Forget what Mike Conley said, man. We got to play. We got to play. It was funny. Mike was talking. He was like, yeah, we can't be playing Call of Duty. Carl walked in the back. He was like, hey, Mike, you getting on when you get home? (laughs) That's that's our generation, man. That's Tevin Booker after the game last night. (laughs) I love that anecdote. Uh, That's really funny. Yeah, you get a little leeway when you talk about blowing off steam with Call of Duty after a uh, 38-point, 9-assist performance and a win. It is amazing how, how, uh, how different the perception is versus wins and losses when you factor in video games, right? Um, when when DeAndre Ayton had that great postseason two years ago, nobody said anything about him burning the midnight oil, playing video games all night long. Only when the performance suffers does it become the, the, the woke obsession of a lost wayward generation. Well, remember last, it was last year's playoffs, right? When that article about DeAndre yeah, in the New York Times video yeah. game. Well, that was uh, Kyler Murray. I yeah. forget. Yeah. This was an ESPN <laughs> feature, but uh-huh, when he right, talked about it. getting two hours of sleep per night, and everybody's like, oh, that's no, the timing that's of this it. could not be worse. That's it. And and so there's a story in USA Today today with the whole, to- <laughs> with the whole tone, redundant, much, 
with the whole tone of, oh, maybe he should play more video games if that's how it the effect. And, and again, it's just the stupid knee-jerk response to a, to an individual moment in time. But but if you're Kyler Murray, you're thinking, come on, man. Really? <laughs> come yeah. on. And believe me, he should play more video games is that, if that's what happens. I, I bet you he played video games the night before they lost also. I, get, I bet yes. you they played. he was going to play video games last night, whether they won yeah. or lost also. Right. Well, and you hear Chris Paul his in the, generation, in as the they background say. of that soundbite, too, saying, yeah, that's all they do. That's, that, that's all they play. And Chris Paul, at his stage of his career, his generation, not a video game guy, but he prides himself on watching every second of every basketball game that's available to him when he's not playing. So, I, I, I mean, everybody's got their thing. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what Kevin Durant does. He's kind of in between generations there. I think Kevin Durant is definitely more on the Chris Paul side of things. He just goes on Twitter and yells he's, at people. And he's stuff. A, he's he a, people. But he's a basketball junkie, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Devin Booker uh, really controlled that game last night. Uh, and, uh, he talked about... Uh, a lot of different things, including uh, the early Clippers defensive rotations that caused a lot of difficulty for the Suns' offense. I think when they do that, we just have to simplify it. Um, you know, a lot of things that we haven't seen before. Um, but they have a veteran team that, you know, can do it on the fly. I don't think a lot of teams can do that. And I remember their, our last series with them, they had a lot of stuff with them, too. So, you know, when they're doing that, just simplify it for us. Yep, uh, Monty Williams talked about uh, Devin Booker and how he affects the continuity of things. I, I think continuity helps when you have a player like Book because you spend a lot of time in the gym talking about spacing and where guys should be, and that allows for him to go. And then if he does have to make the pass, he knows where that guy is. Um, and then the other part is he's just good. You know, when he's rolling like that, it's hard to – to guard him when he's going downhill. But I think having Kevin on the floor uh, allows for more space and then Torrey is knocking down shots. So he's just a tough cover when he's playing downhill, but in particular off of stops. Yeah, uh, Torrey Craig was fantastic Mm -hmm. again. The entire starting lineup was great. In fact, they scored 110 points between five starters, which is an earth-shattering number in two ways. Earth-shattering that it's that big for the starters and earth-shattering that it's that small for for the the bench. bench. Yeah, yeah. and again, this is going to continue to be an issue, but but if you get superstar performances, one and a half of them, two of them per game, then the bench is, like I said, then that's going to become margins that you don't have to concern yourself with. Yep. If, you, if you don't get the requisite stuff from those two guys and when the offense doesn't flow primarily through them, I think that's when you open up the uh, open up the game and the outcome to all those sure. margins. Yeah, and we'll have more on, uh, on the bench yeah. as opposed to the starting lineup coming up. But uh, you focused and a lot of people focused on the, the point book aspect of last night's game. Mm-hmm. When he took over the offense, Kevin Durant talked about it after the game as well. I feel like he's an oversized point guard you know, last night. <laughs> guy that can initiate, make plays for others, quick get into the rim, either hand, you know, so he can do pretty much everything at that point guard position, so when he got it, we played a little faster, you know, he got so many options with him shooting a three, get to the midi or, or the free throw line, so, uh, you know, we got to continue to explore all of those options. Yeah, um, this is probably not the time to bring up this possibility. All right. But I'm going to bring it up anyway. Sure. Because they're in the midst of a playoff series. But moving forward, Chris Paul is going to be 38 years old. On in May 6th. In a couple yeah. of weeks. Mm-hmm. So um, we know, you know, 
it, it, it's going to come to an end at some point for Chris Paul here in Phoenix. We see teams in the NBA, several teams now, kind of moving away from the quote-unquote traditional point guard. Mm-hmm. And Devin Booker is showing a propensity to still make play, be a playmaker for others while he still possesses all of that scoring ability on his own, creating his own shot. I wonder if that's the tack the Suns, when they do move on from Chris Paul or Chris Paul moves on from the Suns, whatever, whenever that happens, however it happens, yeah. if that's an option they so would consider. So you're saying they don't go out and get like another top point guard to replace them? They might not. You, you, you let Devin Booker handle the well, duties and add another shooter next to him at the quote-unquote two? That might be devastating. I, I, well, listen, I, I not only not, I not only think that what you're saying is very accurate. I think you can expedite the timetable. I think when campaign gets back in this lineup, you might look at a three point guard system to sort of, you know, negate Chris Paul getting swallowed up by faster, younger players, and and Chris Paul bringing the ball up at a glacial pace, which has really kind of handicapped this offense. That's what I'm talking about. I I'm talking about making real hard decisions in the here and now should the need arise. Yeah. And and uh, that need isn't here now, but last night looked like it last night became last night because Devin Booker was the one organizing the offense and creating the spacing and and getting the offense going with the, early enough in the shot clock where you can get options. Mhm. I think it's a great point. But, but now, again, it, it, does Monty Williams have the fortitude to do that to Chris Paul? And again, we're just projecting. We're not saying anything in the immediate. I'm not saying bench Chris Paul for Devin Booker for Game Three. It's not what I'm no, saying. No, not but at all. But if you get into a deficit situation in this postseason and you target that as a weakness, it's something I look at. Mm-hmm. Coming up next, uh, Monty Williams did stick with his starting lineup for Game Two, and it paid dividends. But how much longer can they lean that heavily on the starting five? We'll get into those questions and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on this Wednesday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Clippers. Now. Craig made just about every big shot for us tonight. You know, if you watch games, it's the, uh, <clears throat> it's the timing of the shots. You know, sometimes when the team got a chance to cut it from six to four, three, and then Craig would hit a three to put us up nine. It was the timing of the shots that he made, and uh, that's that's big in the series. It's Chris Paul talking about Torrey Craig's impact on game two. Another great game for Torrey Craig in 31 minutes in the starting lineup. Six of nine from the floor, five of eight from three-point range, 17 points to go along with the three rebounds, two assists, two steals. And Chris Paul's right on the money. The timing of those shots for Torrey Craig, uh, very important in last night's outcome. Mm-hmm. And we talked about... Monty Williams may be moving a chess piece even before the game the, 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 the game started, the chess match started, by putting Torrey Craig in that starting lineup. The Suns had had success with Josh Okogie in the starting lineup. When in the, in the lineup with Kevin Durant, they went 8-0. He made that move before the series. Torrey Craig was excellent in Game 1. It On the back end of it, though, it affected the bench. He did not opt to switch back, and probably rightfully so, because Torrey Craig uh, did a lot of st- you know, stellar defensive work on Kawhi Leonard, who is just a monster. There's no other way to say yeah. it. Uh-huh. Uh, I think Kawhi Leonard was probably discounted by a lot of Suns fans going into the series. He is still elite. 
But yeah. well, uh, you people have forgotten about it because you haven't seen him do it in the playoffs true. for a couple of years. Yeah, it's been two years since he played in the playoffs. Um, the bench, there was good minutes last night from the bench. I thought Josh Okoge had good minutes. I thought Bismack Biombo had good minutes. I agree. We did not see Devin Booker out there with four bench players. That was the adjustment that, that one of the adjustments that Monty Williams made. Right. The other adjustment was he tried some different stuff. Now it was TJ Warren for a very short amount of time, but uh, no Terrence Ross in that game. Mm-hmm. I wonder how sustainable this is moving forward. When you look at the minutes uh, distribution, and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant are, you know, basketball savants, and they want to be out there, but they both played over 44 minutes. Chris Paul played at 37 minutes. Uh-huh. How sustainable is this moving forward? And they're in game two, well, it's and it's a, already becoming a question in the postseason. Well, right? I, think it's, I think it's perfectly sustainable if they stay healthy. I, I don't uh, again. I uh, it's I, I think that uh, th- I think that they're conditioned to do it. One of the things about Devin Booker is his conditioning is absurd. He yes. never ever seems to get tired ever. And and KD has got great conditioning. So I I think th- I think they can do this. I don't I don't think their bench. If the offense goes for these two guys and you get one and a half superstar performances per game, I don't think the bench is going to matter one bit to this basketball team. Now, if if for whatever reason, injury, whatever becomes a factor, then maybe you will need the depth. But uh, we've had, we've got two games with two with two different results with two different conclusions that come from it. So it's it, it's it's kind of early. To talk absolutes yet, yeah. but but I I don't I don't I don't think that this is um an immovable hurdle. Let me let me present it this way. All right, in game one we saw when Monty went to the bench, obvious drop off in play. Whether it was a lead uh, growing for the Clippers when the bench was out there with Devin Booker, or uh, a lead evaporating with the bench out there with Devin Booker. Last night, the drop-off, you know, there was some concern when DeAndre Ayton got into foul trouble in the third quarter, and he picked up three in a very quick span and left. There was an extended amount of time for Bismack Biombo. That drop-off was not there. They got good minutes from Bismack Biombo. Is that the most the Suns can hope for from their bench right now, as currently constructed? Yeah. I, just to tread water? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm thinking about what Kellen Olsen said yesterday, that you might want to to fashion the bench to take advantage of some of your offensive pieces and, and kind of ride that element of the team. Expand the offense. Expand the dangerous uh, points that you can present a, the opposing defense rather than vice versa. I don't know. I, I don't know if it is, I, but I do think that Bismack Biombo uh, did what he did, did what he was supposed to do last night mm-hmm. that didn't have Monty Williams looking for an alternative backup center. Let me add a, uh, another thing here, and it, it's not the bench, but it's sort of not one of the stars. How much can they rely on Tory Craig to do this every game because he's had two much better than mm-hmm. average, much better than he normally is mm-hmm. performances in a row here. You can't count on it. Because if you can't That's count on a- that, something's going to have to make up for those 17 to 22 points. Now, mm-hmm. if Tory Craig is shooting the ball with confidence when he gets those open looks, and how much did we talk about that going into this series? Regardless of who it was, Craig, Kogi, Ross, Chris Paul, to an extent, when that ball gets swung around and somebody's going to get an open look, most likely from the corner, 
who's going to hit it. Torrey Craig is doing it right now. And it is promising that Torrey Craig was playing really good basketball going into the playoffs. His, his role has grown. He's been fantastic so far. But I'm not counting on Torrey Craig to shoot 71% from the floor for the mm-hmm. whole series or to knock down 50-plus percent of his threes. I'm just not counting on No, him. you can't count on that, but he has been terrific in two games. And, and Monty Williams, uh, his decision to stick with Torrey Craig in the starting lineup, it, it, it paid off. Uh, and so I think that was kind of proof that the bench can be very um, sparse and, and this basketball team can still win. And they won going away. Yep. Uh, more on Tory Craig. Here was Kevin Durant on uh, what Chris Paul talked about, the timing of those Tory Craig threes. It's huge. We need him to continue to be confident to shoot the ball. I mean, he understands that the team, like I said, going to play a little gimmicky and throw a big on him or just leave him wide open and give him a three. So you got to make him pay. And I think he did. He's been doing a great job of that thus far. thought there was an interesting stretch in the second half, too, where... You know, when the when the Suns played the Clippers two years ago in the Western Conference Finals, Ty Lue, when when Zubats was on the bench, they'd go they'd go small. Mm-hmm. They'd go five out is is what they called it. We haven't seen that too much, but they did go to a smaller lineup last night with Kawhi Leonard actually playing the five. And you know, speaking of bench players giving contributions, Bismack Biombo was able to stay on the floor. Give DeAndre Ayton more time to rest mm-hmm. uh, because he can guard out on the perimeter. Uh, you know, as a big, when he's not, he's not a lanky seven foot two guy, he's six eight with long arms. But right. he was out there and gave the Suns a bigger look with Kevin Durant in in a quote unquote smaller lineup. I thought that was an interesting yeah. wrinkle too. Well, I, well, I, I thought it was interesting all night long. The Clippers were trying to all they were trying to junk up the game with a whole bunch of different mm-hmm. defenses. They came out and played zone <laughs> for a for a brief minute. They they were just trying to confuse, and, and this came after Ty Lue came out and said, oh, it's not that big big of a deal that this team doesn't have a ton of experience without KD. And then he threw a bunch of defenses at him to test that very premise. And and when you've got one, when you've got your stars rolling, it, it, it covers up a lot of stuff. Yeah, definitely does. You can register to win tickets to see Foo Fighters on October 3rd at Talking Stick Resort Amphitheater. Just head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for event details and for your chance to win. Coming up next, Sarah Gazelle takes us through the big stories of the day in the Rush Hour Reboot. Pickley Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. It is a Victory Wednesday here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome in. This is the Rush Hour Reboot. Uh, We've got some really good... So the count is full. S-H-I... We all heard that earlier, wow. didn't we? <laughs> yeah, good, good, good awesome. SHI on this morning's edition of the Rush we Hour Reboot. Definitely did hear it. Yes, I am Sarah Cazell, taking you through everything you need to know this morning with Dan Bickley. Hello. Hey, with Vince Murata. What? To live, to live and, die and die in LA. In LA. Oh, okay. A little, little Wang Chung for you. Oh, okay. And you're a Wang Chung in your face. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> 
All right. It's hot out. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. Very, very timely. Uh, yes. All right. The series is now split between the Suns and the Clippers. The Suns took game two last night in downtown Phoenix, 123-109. It wasn't all smooth sailing, though. It was another stressful start for Suns fans, just like in game one. The Clippers were in control uh, in the first quarter and into the second. Then with about or with about 532 left in the second quarter, I should say, the Clippers held a 13-point lead. Then the Suns finished the first half scoring on 10 of 11 possessions. Thank you, Kellen Olsen, for pointing that out. That included eight points from Kevin Durant and this shot from Devin Booker. Suns get the ball to Craig. They have time. Seven seconds. Six. Five. Craig to Booker. Booker. Three-point range. Booker fires. Shazam! It's good with eight-tenths of a second left. That tied up the game going into halftime, and that momentum carried into an incredible third quarter for Devin Booker. 18 points and four assists from him, getting in on 28 of the Suns' 33 points in the third quarter and definitively turning the tide in the Suns' favor. Here is head coach Monty Williams on the night from Devin Booker. I was planning on taking him out um, the first two minutes of the fourth. Then he got going, and then I said one more play, and then one more play, and he kept hitting shots. (laughs) So I just let him go um but when he's attacking like that and then he was you know knocking down big shots from outside it just keeps everybody off balance you know book scores in a number of ways um and when he's going like that i think the team feeds off of his high level play if you will okay so it could be easy to say oh devin booker just took over and did his thing was there anything more to it was there anything more than just Devin Booker doing what he is very capable of doing that the Suns can learn from last night and rely on moving forward in the series? Or was it just Devin Booker taking over? Well, I, I think, no, I think it's I think it's both. Um, as I've been saying, I think it's it, the nuance and the, the pace of the offense when Devin Booker was running the point was something that, that made everything better. That that brought some tempo and some rhythm, and it changed the the tone of last night's game dramatically. So, uh, I'm curious to see how they're going to replicate that going forward. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, Booker was great. It was it was more than Devin Booker. It was, I think, a whole team playing a little bit more free, a little bit more easy. We talked about, hey, you you make some shots, it makes things easier. They made 59 percent of their shots last night. Um, they rebounded better. The Clippers got on the offensive glass, but there was an opportunity on the defensive glass. More than half of their rebounds were on the offensive glass, and the Suns out-rebounded them for the game. There was a lot that improved. Uh, and, and we talked earlier about the, the improved bench minutes from a couple players, even though that was an incredibly low bar going into it. All right. Booker led the parade, but there was a lot that went into that. Mm-hmm. Now, Bick, on ArizonaSports.com, in your latest column, you wrote this of Devin Booker last night. Quote, he was the best player on the court. He was the best point guard on the Suns. And after one of the finest quarters of basketball he has ever produced as a professional, Booker might have just saved the season. I want to hear more from you 
on that line of thinking. Did he yeah. save the Clipper or the, the Suns from an well, early exit? I think for for most of that, for most of the first couple of quarters, there was this real somber, uh, growing Paul yeah. that, and not Chris Paul, not, but not a, a P A L L Paul, that that this team is broken. That there's something off. That there's not enough. That there hasn't been enough time. That there hasn't been enough reps. That now that they're facing real stiff defense and strategy that they're sort of diminishing. That's what it felt like. And and that changed primarily because of Devin Booker. Now, not only D.A. had a real good second quarter, made a, made a series of, of mid-range jump shots to keep the offense, to keep the team in the game, mm-hmm. Torrey Craig in his threes, yeah. Durant and his effortless scoring at the end of the night. Uh, but but yeah, I think that that's that's where it came from for me because I, I think if if we believe that if they would have lost last night that it was over, and I think most rational people do believe that, then yeah, that's exactly how I perceived it. Yeah, I sir, I mean, I admit that I'm. I'm prone to fatalism and roller coasters and yeah. all of those things when the when the playoffs roll around and it it when they got down 13 in the second quarter it felt like this Oof. this could be quick work yeah if they didn't figure it out and Bick just you know summed it up perfectly it wasn't all Devin but DeAndre Ayton and we'll, we'll get into his performance later on he was phenomenal in that second quarter when things when mm-hmm. when they were taking on water yeah. he was the guy with the with the big bucket yep. shoveling the water out of the boat yeah. so yeah, um, yeah it, it, it was a team effort but Booker gets most of the praise alright we've got to get to Chris Paul big moment for the Suns last night for Chris Paul for Suns fans he snapped the Scott Foster streak he had a 13 game losing streak in playoff games officiated by Scott Foster he is now 3-17 and 17 all time in those such games. Here's Chris Paul after the game. Now, I think, I think we, we all about in this run, you know what I mean, minimizing distractions. You know what I mean? So that is what it is. I'm sure it's still going to be a thing. League know what it is, so can't control it. You ain't been able to control all the other ones, so it ain't going to change now. You know what I mean? So the, the game is the game. Vince, earlier in the show, you alluded to the free throw discrepancy, 31 attempts for the Clippers, 14 for the Suns, and, and a couple early moments where I was like, oh no, he's going to get in the middle of this all over again. Mm-hmm. How do you guys think the Suns handled the officiating last night? Outside of Tory Craig's tee, I thought they handled it very well. Yeah, I think I th- I thought they were uh, burning a little hot early, and I was a little bit worried about it, but I, I think they did handle it just fine. Mm-hmm. All right, no notes? No, on the Chris Paul front, I'm more concerned about the hand. Yes. Um, negative you know, x-ray after the game. Negative x-ray, but it's a, it's a postseason where something popped up on the on the physical chart for, for Chris Paul. And he was really, after he jammed it, mm-hmm. you could see him on the court. Um, you know, he was fiddling with it. Yeah. He was bringing the ball it. up left-handed. He hit the big jumper, kind of a, a, an ice, you know, ice water jumper with, with two minutes to go. But, you know, even in the post-game interview that he was doing with Al and Tim and John Bloom on the, on the radio and, and, you know, Jeremy Schnell, our videographer, has got a great video of it. You can see him through the whole the whole video he's messing with it. The x-rays yeah. were negative, but it's, again, something that he might have to deal with for yeah. the rest yeah. of this. Good point. Yeah. All right, let's quickly get to the NFL, probably for the only minute or two of this show. <laughs> uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter made a prediction on NFL Live yesterday that is turning some heads as we are now a little over a week away from the NFL draft. We're all assuming that Bryce Young will go number one to the Carolina Panthers, but then 
After that, Schefter said yesterday that he thinks teams are willing to sit back and wait their turn to draft a quarterback, including Indianapolis at number four. They seem willing to wait, and I don't think we're going to see a quarterback go at two. And I think all the teams that were talking about trading up to three know that. And so they could sit back and wait. And so this great quarterback oh rush that we've all been expecting well. might start a little bit later than we all thought. I'm just telling you. Okay, he mentions the number three pick, which belongs to the Arizona Cardinals, at least for now. What's your guys' reaction to Wouldn't that? Wouldn't that be the Cardinals' luck? <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be their luck? Oh. The one time you would think that they were backing up the truck to Fort Knox... Only to find there's no gold. <laughs> Where's the gold? <laughs> yeah, it's this. I don't want to hear this. He might be right that they might some deep dives in these quarterbacks might have people going. <laughs> the thing, the CJ Stroud was was considered a unanimous number two pick overall. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of weird character reports coming out on him now. Uh-oh. Arrogant, hard to coach. A again, just just. Stuff that just comes out of the ether. We have to remember. We have to re- yes, exactly. This yes, time of yes. year, we have to remember where we are in the disinformation cycle that of is right true. before the draft. That is true. Yeah, this was kind of my fear all along, and people early in the process were focused on Indianapolis at four. Well, they'll move up to three, and I was like, well, if they find a quarterback that they love that's not named Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, and this was more prevalent too when the Bears had the number one pick. They don't have the number one pick, but that was my fear. Like, why would they move up if they could? stay at four and still get a quarterback. Um, I think a lot of people in Arizona were kind of gearing up for just what Bick said, that that visit from the, the Brinks truck. Get for, them yeah, picked. Yeah. But if you walk away with Will Anderson at number three, is it is it a no, failure? No, that, see, that's what he's saying. He's saying if the Texans aren't taking a quarterback, they're probably going to take Will Anderson Jr. Well, then you as the Cardinals, you have to decide whether or not you're going to take Jalen Carter. And by, which, by all accounts, which they, I don't think they will. I don't think they will either. No. So what are they going to do? Rot <laughs> Trade down anyway? Christian Gonzalez from Oregon? Oh, Maloney would love that. <laughs> good, <laughs> good football player. Yeah, it, it, Cardinals luck. Nothing's gone right yeah. for this team in yeah. about a How year about and a half. So. Why start now? Yeah. How about it? You just get your new uniforms, and that is it. To the Cardinals trade up to get Will Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, can you imagine? Do that? that? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Thank Rush you, guys. Hour reboot every morning at 7.30. Coming up next, there's other big storylines in the Western Conference playoffs outside of Phoenix, and we'll get into some of them straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports. The home of Phoenix Suns basketball. Suns playoff coverage presented by Michelob Ultra. Bickley and Murata talk Suns Clippers. Now. I mean, what are you going to do when someone grabs your foot when you're running full speed? Like, that's a dirty, I mean, just fully grabs your foot and yanks on you. That's not cool, man. I'm not saying what Draymond did was right, but... Like, you can't just grab somebody's foot when they're taking off in a full sprint. That's not, that's not cool. I don't do that. Like, we are, I mean, 
That's crazy. Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors following a Game 2 loss to the Sacramento Kings. Where all the fireworks went down. Demata Sabonis grabbing the uh, leg of Draymond Green who decided to deal with that adversity by stomping on the chest of Demata Sabonis. And you know, it was up in the air. Like, mm. what's going to happen? Are, is the NBA going to crack down on Draymond Green? Will they let it go because it's a big playoff spot? Would his past transgressions come to haunt him? And it turned out that that was the case. The NBA and their statement in suspending Draymond Green for Game 3 was that his past did play a factor in it. Because you can go on YouTube and watch any number of uh, you know seven-minute montages of Draymond Green being dirty over the years, and now it's come back to well, roost. Okay, so I, I've got—I I don't know if mixed feelings is the way to describe how I feel about this. I'm a little bit conflicted about this because I think what Demonis Sabonis did was initially dirty, and I think he did a ton of acting— um, this is not to absolve him, but I think he did a ton of acting as well. I think what really cooked Draymond Green's goose, if you will, was th- that ridiculous scene of egging on the crowd in That's Sacramento true. when Adam Silver was actually in attendance, sucking the souls out of everybody in his section. <laughs> So he witnessed that firsthand at a time when this is becoming a front burner issue in the NBA. Oh, by the way, um, Mike Vigil or Vigil on Twitter, Sons got Vigil. Yeah. He he tweeted out that we have confer- He has confirmation that the dude who called Russell Westbrook Westbrick in the players' lounge was indeed the hundred dollar guy last yes, year. Yes, it was confirmed by his daughter on social media. Yeah. So so uh, there's a plea to Matt Ishbia to ban this cat from all future games because he's a menace. To our vibe. That is unbelievable. That's the same it? guy. Well, last night, the Westbrook. Isn't that the unbelievable? The Westbrook chant you know, rang out. Yeah. I thought Russell Westbrook was going to try to have the game stopped and have everybody thrown out of the That's arena. Funny. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, so, but, but my point is not to digress into that, but, but that is a funny anecdote. The, this, the, the, these rising conflicts and escalating tensions between NBA players and the fans, if you're the commissioner, this has got to stop. And so I think, and the fact that Draymond Green kicked Herb Jones in the head a week and a half ago. Mm -hmm. So part of me says this guy, Draymond Green, is is very, very dirty, and he needs to sit down. But the idea of penalizing a current team in a playoff series for history— I mean, I guess I'm okay with it. They're replaying it on a loop right now and get up on ESPN. And and the more you watch it, I mean, the action by Green is, I I know, Sabonis started it. He grabbed his leg. Clay Thompson's. Both can be right at the same time. Clay Thompson's description of he's running full speed. No, he's not. not. He he hadn't even taken a step down court yet. You, You said it perfectly. Draymond Green had an opportunity to be the victim and not the thug in that in that instance, yes. and he passed on it, and it co- it's going to cost his team dramatically. Now, is it poetic justice if Sab- Sabonis can't go? He's questionable. You just think, he's that, not, you think oh. that's window dressing? <laughs> he's not. Yeah, qu- he's got a bruised sternum backside. Bruce Sturm. Now listen, I, I'm not going to be a hypocrite here because I think Draymond Green's going to be a member of the Suns next year. I keep hearing it. I keep hearing it. So I and and I'm going to welcome it when it happens. 
But but in the now, I'm also going to say this guy's a dirty, dirty, dirty player. Well, in the now, you talked about the dramatic effect. It, it could not happen at a worse time for the Warriors. Oh. Down 2-0, going home when they absolutely need the win well, at home. Because if they lose that game, they're certainly not going to win four in a row with two of those games in Sacramento. I got another prediction. Uh-oh. Well, here it comes. Uh-oh. My prediction, prediction last night was not on. It was not off. I did predict the Suns' comfortable win. It wasn't comfortable if they got the win. Uh, Steph Curry, 52 points, and the uh, Warriors win by mm. 18. Oh, okay. Yeah, without Draymond Green. Okay. Then it wouldn't really make any impact at all then that he's out but and this if, whole thing will but, be overblown. Yes. But if but if they do lose this, this will be uh, – and again, there are people who say his time in Golden State's done anyways. They're just not going to pay him, even though Steve Kerr loves what he brings to the team. From practice to plane rides to leadership to holding guys accountable to slugging teammates in the face. No, it, it's he, he's going to be done, and, and the Michigan State – gravitational pull of the organization I think is going to bring you stop short of calling it a pipeline (laughs) it might become one it might soon become one that would be interesting Mm -hmm. because Draymond does do a lot of those things and exactly what the Suns need but it's interesting the Warriors are losing their emotional leader and sometimes those emotions get out of control it worked for them I thought there was a couple weeks ago and I forget the exact game but the Warriors came out flat and Draymond went nuts and he was yelling at Bob Myers he was yelling at Steve Curry he was yelling at his teammates he was getting in everybody's face he was yelling uh-huh. at the crowd it turned the whole complexion of a big game around and they ended up winning that game it backfired on them but on the flip side We've talked about the energy in Sacramento at Golden One Center. Those fans have not seen playoffs in a really long time. It is a cauldron when you go in there right now. It's electric. It's going to be just that at Chase Center in San Francisco. And I know people will accuse the Warriors fan base of getting fat and lazy because they're winning so many titles. But now with this whole Draymond Green thing, that lights the fuse. And when they start rolling from three-point range, you can see how that can snowball. Mm-hmm. Sacramento might not know what they're in for in, in game three. I'm not throwing dirt on the Warriors' coffin. All right. You know, I, I think they're very vulnerable. I, I, think, will, I think this Sacramento team is better than anyone gives them credit that's for. That's the thing, too, because the vulnerability of the Warriors— and, the first thought as a Sun fan is like, wow, if they're eliminated, that was the one team wow, that, that we really the, right. feared. Yeah. But I think it's that bigger picture thing that nobody gave the Kings enough credit yeah. with how good they are. So yes. maybe it's not true for better. And look, De'Aaron Fox has been fantastic. He won the Clutch Player of the Year. He's developing into a star. I don't think he's quite there yet, uh, resume-wise. And what do they say? Role players play better at home than they do on the road. Mm-hmm. And Sacramento's got a lot of role players on that team. Yeah. I will believe the Warriors okay. are dead when I, I when I I'm see the you. death certificate. Oh, no, I'm with you with that. I'm I'm completely with you on that. Completely. But uh, yeah, I'm a little bit surprised that the NBA went there. That they did suspend Draymond Green with the, the importance of this game for the Warriors. Uh, I my gut feeling if he would have not. Gyrated in front of the crowd yeah. and escalated that situation. This would not have happened. 
That's to listen to the palaver. Because you That's saw, my belief. I mean, it, that could have turned into something ugly. Oh, huh. you saw some of those could've fans. Been. Oh, yeah, they oh. sure were ugly. I agree. Sacramento. <laughs> yes. Oh my ah, God, Jared. That Jared. Well, that's what you meant. Do you ever see that crowd in Sacramento, oh, Jared? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Look, some of them were wearing the cowbells around their neck. Let me put it that way. Coming up next, Big's got your blast. Fire. It's going to be fire. Fire. Uh, We'll do it next. It's uh, Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports (laughs) leader.